What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to a very special edition of the Edge of Sports podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week is, of course, Super Bowl week. I'm recording this on Friday, February 5th. And we are talking to the executive director of the NFL Players Association, Demoris Smith. So glad to have him on the line. So D Smith, who do you like in the big game? <laughs> um, look, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest though. I, I haven't had a chance to talk about it too much from that perspective, but you know, both of these quarterbacks during their career have stepped up for their union and Tom was a union rep. Um, and, and you remember a lead plaintiff when we sued the league, when we got locked out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' dad went through the uh, baseball strike and he's been, he's probably the, the youngest quarterback to ever be a player's rep um, mm. that I can remember. So, you know, I look, I, I dig what they can do on, on TV, but um, having a game where I can look down and watch, uh, you know, a bunch of guys on both teams have a history of standing up for their union. I, I really dig that. That's so cool. I did not know that um, about Patrick Mahomes. I'm so glad you got to share that. Um, so, D, this has been a season like no other. What, what, what do you, what's been the greatest challenge that you and the union have faced? Just the enormity of the moral and practical questions about um, operating NFL football in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I know everybody kind of focuses on the protocols and compliance with the protocols. The, the real toughest question at the beginning of this for me was whether we should be playing football at all in a pandemic. And, and it's a little bit easier now. We know a lot more about this novel and emerging virus than we did in April, May, and June. Uh, but the landscape in April, May, and June was the NBA had shut down, MLB, uh, had shut down March Madness, had shut down. You and I were uh, 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 on our missions, um, going to the grocery store, finding things that that uh, we, we took for granted that weren't there. Um, and we were looking at 
cities like New York, um, Chicago, um, and other places really on the brink of their healthcare system being overwhelmed. And, and so that first initial moral question of questions of, you know, are we going to be overtaxing our healthcare system if we play these games? Are we, um, are we taking more resources away from the community if we're relying on first responders? Are we gonna take any testing capability um, away from people who are trying to keep people safe? If we couldn't have cleared those initial questions, um, I, I would have recommended to the, our, our membership that we not not play football. Based on uh, your own experience, though, personally from this past year, uh, like what, what have you learned about yourself, about this union in terms of having to navigate a pandemic? Um, wow. Uh, you know, I, this has been a... Um, this has been an interesting 12 years professionally. Um, you know, the juxtaposition of going through a, a, a bruising um, CBA process um, and watching that with a backdrop of what was happening on the national level um, in our politics, uh, trying to teach our guys that it's okay for democracy to be messy um, but it's not okay for people to try to thwart that democratic process um, and, and to inject um, a level of, of misinformation and disinformation into the process. That's never okay. And, and we wrestled with a few of those issues internally um, with, with the Players Union this year. Um, getting to a point where we, we get that process behind us um, and then realize, you know, thankfully that we have a framework um, to, to build on how we're going to now respond in a, in a COVID environment. Uh, you know, the, the takeaways for me were, were are um, that if you still focus on first principles, um, preserve the union, um, preserve the democratic process, um, insist on transparency, but probably one lesson I, I learned the hard way was the necessity of attacking disinformation um, ruthlessly. What was a lesson that I, I, I learned the hard way, and, and I think to a certain extent our country has found that out the hard way. Um, so, you know, Dave, you know, you and I spent a lot of time trying to um, frame things that we're going through now against a historical um, um, backdrop and, and, the, and the lessons that we learned, you know, how do we frame things that we're currently going through and how do we teach in these kind of environments? I, I think a lot of the things that we went through with this union um, mirrored a lot of the things that were going on in the in our larger community. Um, we had some players who simply did not believe in um, uh, wearing PPE and, and socially distancing. We had some players who didn't think COVID was serious. Um, we dealt with our own misinformation campaign that people out there were dealing with with COVID. I, I think that our strength here though was um, we're only dealing with 2,500 players. 
where um, you know we could take th that level of disinformation head on. Um, and and I do love the fact that our members are probably more mission focused than than the average person. So you know the, the, at at a time when you do engage in discussion. Um, I, I do think that going back to first principles, um, if you believe that your mission now has to be for us to get through football safely and that these four, five, six, seven things are going to be the only way that we can get through it safely, I, I enjoyed the fact that we have a group of people who are mission focused like that to accept those things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that where we saw dysfunction in our larger community was where some of our, was when some of our public officials were unwilling to take on that level of disinformation and misinformation mm. in an aggressive way um, and, and just call it for what it is. Um, for, for those people, for example, who, you know, wanted to, you know, kidnap the Michigan governor because they were upset with the protocols that were being put in place, you know, you can talk about that issue on any number of levels, but, but to me, the issue began and ended with the fact that a governor was acting with the mandate of the majority of the people of her state and relying on sound scientific principles in order to keep the majority of those people safe and a minority of those people decided to ignore both that democratic mandate um, and, and the tried and true principles of science. Well, you know, the, for those people who wanna throw those things away, those are the precursors to things like treason and things like insurrection um, and things like thwarting the democratic process that we saw um, in our backyard a few weeks ago. See, that's so interesting. So, so you're saying that, you know, the union was not immune to all of these things happening in the outside world and all the ways in which disinformation can spread in society. And yet you feel like the union's been able to come out of this on the other end, uh, more unified and stronger. Is, is that a, f a fair assessment of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah because I, look, I mean, I, I think we're, we, we've been hearing a lot about unity <laughs> lately. Um, and and I, I certainly believe that unity should be the goal. I, I'm far more interested in the process of truth um, and the process of reconciliation and the process of accountability. And while the hope is that you end up with unity I'm not sure I would trade any one of those three things just to simply say that we are more unified, right? Um, there, there's something right beneath the surface of a, of a, of a tagline about unity that, that kind of suggests that, well, maybe we just shouldn't air our differences, right? And, and I even go so far as I, I read Sean McManus's um, comments about um, the Super Bowl and it being a unifying event and, and, and things for, for people to come together, you know, okay, but we're in the entertainment business. Um, I don't think we should be in the distraction business. 
Um, the, the people who play this game um, come from neighborhoods where there are certain things that are important to them. Um, there are people in this league who have been the subjects of, of racism and harassment. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely thrilled that we have our first woman referee uh, in this game, but I wouldn't ever sacrifice a narrative of unity while we ignore the fact that there is still levels of discrimination um, happening in the National Football League. So I'm fine with a message about unity. I, I think it's hypocritical to pursue that and ignore reality. Mm. So the league can partner up with players around social justice initiatives, but if there is no progress in the hiring of black coaches, it can feel very empty. Yeah, That's if there's no, right, right. Well, it, it, it not only feels empty, it's just empty, right? Yeah, it is empty. I mean, the, the, the Rooney rule, I mean, it was supposed to result in the hiring of black coaches. The results speak for themselves. Is there another way? Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, look, I, I, you and I have talked about the Rooney rule. I've always called it the Rooney suggestion um, mm-hmm. because any rule that doesn't have consequences isn't, isn't a rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to sort of choose my words carefully, um, what I'm about to say. I, I've always resented any process program that instead of focusing on transparency and accountability was sort of aimed at getting the people who were in power to bestow fairness and to bestow um, equality. That's not what our system or the goals of America were built upon, right? I mean, It should be a system where instead of us looking for someone to bestow equality or or fairness, it should just be a fair system. And I don't know how to have a fair system if there isn't complete transparency in how coaches are hired, um, why we don't have more diversity in NFL team front offices, why we don't have more diversity in NFL league offices, why we don't have any more diversity in, in, uh, in the ownership ranks. Um, because I think it would be a mistake for us to look at this as purely an NFL coaching issue. And next year, let's decide, or let's year we find ourselves with 10 coaches of color being hired And then what, are we really going to throw our hands up and say that we've reached the promised land? Mm. No. I mean, if, you know, right now, if, if a coach wants to interview with another team, he's got to get the permission of, um, of the owner to interview. Mm -hmm. Um, The last time there was a wage and benefits um, um, study done for NFL coaches and assistant coaches, Gene did it with the, 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 the coaches association, I think almost 20 years ago. Mm. So we're still living in a world where um, 
coaches don't have a level of transparency of how much is the guy who's doing the same job that I am, how much is he making? What's his benefits package? What does it look like? And Dave, if you don't have that level of transparency and accountability, you're always just going to be begging for someone to give you the right outcome instead of ensuring you the right process. And I'd rather have the right process because I think regardless of where you end up um, on the outcomes, they're going to be better. Mm. You know, speaking of these, these issues of how the league handles uh, racism and discrimination, there's this, I wanted to give you the chance to comment on this lawsuit by former NFL players, Kevin Henry and Naja Davenport, who've accused the league of explicitly and deliberately discriminating against black players filing dementia related claims. Has the union been um, involved in that at all? Is this, is this something that you can comment on? Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly comment on it. It's not something that we've been involved in because as you know, we, we weren't party, we weren't a party to that case. We couldn't be a party to that case. Um, the bargaining unit uh, for the NFLPA is purely um, representing uh, the, the labor interest of active players. Um, we have a robust former players division, but the union can't be a party um, to those kind of cases. Um, you know, look, I, I've, I've read just enough about that report to, to be a little bit dangerous. I understand that, that a few doctors or some of the doctors were commenting in their listserv about the process by which they measure um, cognitive deficiency. Mm. And there were um, social, cultural, perhaps even racial um, parameters that were being used to, um, to, to, to modify or, 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 or measure cognitive deficiencies. Um, and there was a concern that those could have been um, racially motivated or operated in a way that had a disparate racial impact. Um, Look, I, again, I, I know enough about the allegations to, to believe that there um, should always be a better system of accountability um, and transparency. And, and given the fact that it's an important um, issue of um, compensating players for, for cognitive injury, injuries, I think that's important. But, you know, th Dave, this is, and again, I hate to be too lawyerly about it, but this was a case brought by, you know, a group of, of, of players who relied on plaintiff's lawyers who settled a case with the league. And, and there isn't a day where the fairness of a settlement in a class action doesn't come down to the specifics um, with which plaintiff's lawyers negotiate these settlements. Mm. And for every player who called you know, me or asked me about what sh they should do uh, with respect to the former player lawsuit, the only thing I could tell them is, um, I assume that you're represented by a lawyer. Um, I understand there's going to be a settlement of some kind in this case. You need to be very careful and understand the parameters of the settlement. And, and if those players now find that they were told one thing and, and the settlement is operating um, in a way that was inconsistent with what they told, that's going to be an issue that, that's going to be resolved with litigation. Wow. No, that, that, that wasn't lawyerly. That was really helpful. You've been so generous with your time. I got to ask you, you've been doing this a while now. 
I was thinking about this. Yeah. Well, you are a, now a long-serving union leader. And, <laughs> I, and I, I know the job is, is not an easy one. How, yeah. how much longer for D. Smith in the big chair? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, if, my, if, if it was up to my wife, you know, the people who take care of us, Dave, you know, they, they'd probably yank us both out of these jobs um, because they, they see the, 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 the toll and, and frankly, they, they take a larger share of the, the brunt of everything else that keeps our lives going so you and I can do the things that we love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been 12 years. It's been great. Um, you know, probably for the first time, you know, I'm listening to people and thinking about what's next. Uh, Gene had this job for 26 years. I am not going to have this job for 26 years. Um, you know, we're blessed. My, my kids are, you know, are almost done with college. Alex has got lacrosse season coming up in Maryland. Uh, it's going to be great. So, you know, I'm going to take a look at after the season and always, you know, sit down with the wife and try to figure out what's next. Um, I love my job. Uh, love, love what we've been able to do. Um, I, I do think it's important now to start thinking about how do we build um, towards the future. Um, so no decisions, but um, certainly, certainly taking a look and, and, and going to take a deep breath at, at this year after this year and take a look at where things lay. Uh, and then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you before you go what you've been reading. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, I just got done with. Uh, uh, I know it'll come as a surprise, but this year I have probably read more pure fiction um, than than I've read probably at any other single time. Um, uh, read a, a, a number of, uh, there was a trilogy of books uh, by a, tr- uh, a wonderful writer from Barcelona, um, the, 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 the City of Forgotten Books was fantastic, that trilogy. I just got done with uh, a fun book called Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour uh, Bookstore, which was fun. I read um, that. Yeah, did you like it? I thought I it was good. It, it was a blast. I, I thought it was a blast. It was just a great mm-hmm. journey of, of mental escape. Uh, and then um, while I'm here, um, I brought the book that uh, I got halfway through this week, going to try to finish before I go back, um, is the, the biography of A. Philip Randolph. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I uh, had a chance to go back and look at... Um, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time. Uh, I, I've watched Dr. King's speech on um, on uh, the Lincoln Steps. You know, uh, conservatively five thousand times, right? Um, for the first time, I really kind of focused on A. Philip Randolph's introduction of Dr. King um, on those steps, and you know, his characterization of King. Um, as the, the moral order of their movement. Um, and, and you and I have talked about Howard Thurman in the past. We've talked about other spiritual leaders who had mm-hmm. such an impact on, um, on, on, on people who, who lived and worked in the civil rights movement. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I was so struck by uh, A. Philip Randolph's introduction that I just kind of wanted to dive in deeply uh, mm-hmm. with him. I mean, any guy, um, any guy who can form a strong union of sleeping carporters, right, at a time when they are as marginalized in community as um, sanitation workers, mm-hmm. and and yet, right, 
Dr. King is in Memphis to support a union supporting sanitation workers, he gets introduced by a labor leader um, who had turned sleeping car porters into a powerful union um, by using hand signals because they couldn't risk letting the outside world know that they had a labor union. So, um, you know, I'm thrilled at what we've been able to do um, as a labor union. I'm thrilled with the legacy that, that we have, the strength that we have. Um, it's always about how do we get stronger? Um, but I think we get stronger by realizing the opportunity and the power that we already have and, and choosing to exercise it. Boom. Damar Smith, ladies and gents. We'll be back right after this, after a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you got to read. It's The Nation Magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation Magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Before we go, uh, I'm sure everybody's just dying to know my prediction for the big game. Uh, pretty simply, it's this. There are a lot of numbers being thrown around with this Super Bowl, like 33. That's the number of Tom Brady's playoff wins. More than double number two on that list, Joe Montana. There's the number 10, the number of Super Bowls Tom Brady will have played in after this Sunday. That's double the number two quarterback on the list, John Elway. Such impressive numbers from Tom Brady. But here's another number, one. That's the number of games Patrick Mahomes has lost since November of 2019. One. And to November 2019, that's pre-pandemic. So you might as well be talking about 50 million years ago or something. So one since November 2019. So my prediction is the Kansas City team beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, frankly, going away. Uh, let's go with uh, 34 to 20 would be my call. Patrick Mahomes, MVP. But afterwards, everybody will grumble that it should have been uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, but, you know, not Mahomes, but that'll just be the way it goes. Uh, other predictions, the anthem will be crazy long. It is uh, Jasmine Sullivan, if you don't know her, singing with um, some country singer who's like a singer songwriter type. I think this is the NFL's way of trying to bring people together. You know, look, we've got this white country singer and we've got Jasmine Sullivan. The problem though, is that the country singer, there are some country singers with just amazing voices. They will belt out those notes as if they're in choir. This particular gentleman's not one of them. Eric Church is much more of like songwriter stylist than he is someone who belts it to the moon. And so I think the effort to try to piece together Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church is gonna make for a long anthem. So, you know, you might as well, uh, I don't know, make sure that your drink and little plate is freshened up before the anthem. Also, Amanda Gorman is doing a poem, fresh off her successful poem at the inauguration. Um, you know, I think poetry is always great in the public sphere. I just hope that, you know, it's not like an ode to a Bud Light or something like that, or we better get all state. 
because uh, with the NFL, you never know. <laughs> I'll never forget Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl and immediately asking for a Bud Light. Uh, but that's Peyton Manning. He's corny and commercialized. I, we ex I think we all uh, expect more from Amanda Gorman at this point. So excited about that as well. That's another Super Bowl thing. We'll see if Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream does a commercial for Colin Kaepernick and their new Colin Kaepernick flavor. I'm serious. And that's what's going on. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Demora Smith, Executive Director of the NFL Players Association. Thank you so much to the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. You also can support this podcast, its existence and its expansion by going to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. So that's where folks should go. Support us, support what we do. Uh, thank you so much to my producer, David Tigaboo. For everybody out there, please mask up. Please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.